Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Politically Entertaining. I'm Frank here with Byron, and Byron, we're so excited to be back. There's so much going on, and but before we get into everything on the show today, let the listeners know why they should be listening to Politically Entertaining. And me and you was talking before we started recording. Craziness. It's, it's been a lot of craziness since we last recorded. We had the election and just everything that has pursued after that. Um, it's... I can't think of any other word other than craziness, man. And, you know, we, we're here to explain, break down, and, and discuss some of this craziness. Uh, so before we do, uh, as always, we'd like to talk about something that's potentially non-political, although this is probably close to not necessarily being political, but a, a religious topic. So we all know Christmas is coming up. And, I, you know, I've always heard that, truthfully, Christmas by it being in December isn't really the time when you look at everything that was going on, isn't really the time that Jesus was born. It was more than likely he was born during the springtime. And I just wonder because I know, you know, I said before that you definitely express, you know, your your faith in God a lot more than I do on here. Uh, Is that something that bothers you as far as like uh, the commercialization of Christmas? when it's supposed to be about Jesus's birthday and, you know, just the inaccuracy of it not really being around this time. Like, does any of that affect you? And my second part was, do you have any holiday traditions that you and your family maintain and do? So that's, that's a really good, um, really good question. Um, I'll start, I'll start at the other side with tradition. So um, as far as, you know, Christmas, we, um, you know, I got this from my dad and he would always put up his Christmas tree like probably right after or right around Thanksgiving. So I, I kind of borrowed that from him. So I like to get the most out of the holiday season. I know some people put their tree up a little bit later. I know some people even put their lay up, his tree as laid up as like the day before Christmas, but I feel like I want a whole like solid month of being able to keep the tree up. So I keep uh, the tree up and the decorations probably from, you know, sometime around Black Friday or Thanksgiving up until the first of the year. Um, just because I think um, it's it's a I love the season I love giving um, you know and to, to to just just to me it is more blessed to give than receive and to me that's what I look at in this season um, and then answering your first question um, going back do, am I bothered by it uh, not 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 really because. I mean, I, th- I think when it comes down to one thing, it's, it's all about the spirit. It's all about the, the sentiment, right? The thing about, we talk about Jesus, Jesus died to take away the law from us. So if you go back and read Leviticus, um, if you read Leviticus, there's 613 laws, I think 305 do's, 308 don'ts. So what Jesus provided was grace that you don't have to keep all those laws of all those different things. You don't have to make sacrifices. A lot of people say, well, why, you know, if, you, if you're still in the law, you should still be sacrificing. We don't have to do that. That is the whole point. We don't have to go to a priest. We can go directly to God and, and pray. And that's what Jesus' birth represented. Um, and, and so he, he, his birth was still the greatest gift that humankind has ever had or ever, ever, ever received. So that that to me fits in great with the season. Now, is it commercialized? Yes. Are there are there a little bit too much emphasis on getting things? Yeah. And I, and, I, and and I think as a father, I have kind of been guilty of that sometimes with my daughter. Like she she, I said, what do you think Christmas is about? She's like, oh, it's about presents and Jesus. And so it's kind of like, you know, I get it. I was a kid too, so I don't I, I don't need to you know have her not you know want to be into Christmas, but also just understanding that there is a lot of uh, commercialization out there in the season because it's, you know, prior to this year, there's a lot of money that's being made uh, during your Black Friday sales, during your holiday sales. So, you know, a lot of people make their numbers in this last quarter, you know, of the year. So it's a huge time. I understand that part of it. So I don't, I don't really get upset as much as, um, you know, I just hope that people who are in the faith, who believe in Jesus understand they don't get caught up in 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 the in in, in the shopping and the and getting gifts and doing too much and going into debt. Those are the things that um I think are mistakes. I think giving gifts are great. I think that's a wonderful thing. It's also a love language of some people, right? We if you, we're not talking about relationships, but it's giving gifts. There's nothing wrong with that. 
Um, I think it's if you're going into debt or you're doing things that you normally wouldn't do to get those gifts, I think that's an issue. Uh, but for the most part, I love this season. It's one of my favorite times of the year. I love this. I love the Christmas carols. Uh, the last thing I'll, I'll say is I love, I, I have a couple mixed CDs I've made over the years, different things. I have like Anthony Hamilton on there, Mariah Carey, little uh, Tony Braxton, um, uh, some some new additions, some Jackson 5, um, a little Mannheim steamroller for those who don't, don't know that, like the electronic type thing. So I, I love Christmas. I love the season. I don't even care about getting anything. I just love decorating and, and giving people gifts at this point in my life. So uh, that that's my story. Big pet peeve for uh, Arazio, uh co-host on a podcast I do, Three Brothers No Sense. He hates when people put their tree up before Thanksgiving. So just want to let you know you're okay with him because you say you usually wait a little bit after Thanksgiving. We kind of do the same, man. Like our tradition is the Saturday after Thanksgiving, uh, I bring the tree up from the basement, all the ornaments and stuff, and we put it up together. And we've also been doing like a, um, I guess you could say like a family movie night where we watch a Christmas movie or two. So we got that coming up as well. I didn't grow up with like a big tradition for Christmas. So it's just something that we try to start with uh, with Jasmine. Now you was naming your playlist, man. You do have some temptations on there, right? Silent Night, are they on one of your CDs? I don't have them. I, they're on my Soulful um, channel on Amazon. Okay. So I don't, you know, I have, my, I have, I have a couple, like, you know, maybe get into it. So my Soulful channel has like all those hits, right? Like you got OJs and you got Temptations, stuff like that. But I, that's on my streaming. So the CDs I made, I haven't really updated them in a while. So I okay. kind of, you know, but yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah, man. So, uh, and, and also the holidays just really, I mean, you, sh you should appreciate your family all times of the year, but it's the holidays, Thanksgiving going into Christmas when you really appreciate them the most. And, you know, you realize that on the flip side, it can be a very depressing time of year for people who don't have family, who may have lost someone that was really important to them that's no longer around. So I definitely try to keep those uh, people in mind. As a matter of fact, I had a friend that reached out to me and just was saying that they were uh, pretty lonely. So, you know, enjoy your family, appreciate your family, keep those in mind that, um, that don't have what you have and just realize how blessed you are. So... Frank and I, we we never are quite sure how often we're going to do this show. So just in case, because I know we do plan on doing at least one or two more shows before the end of the year. But just in case, just want to wish everyone a Merry Christmas out there. It's been a tough year for everybody, but please try to enjoy the holidays as much as possible. With that said, man, let's get into this craziness I talked about. Let's get into some politics. Listening to Politically Entertaining, your Cliff's Notes to American Politics. And now, your hosts, Frank and Byron. So, we are back, and my question for you, Frank, is Is it over? Is it finally over? Because we had an election. We waited on Nevada, we waited on Georgia, Pennsylvania. Uh, who, who else was it? Was it Michigan that we were waiting on as well? We waited on like five states. Yeah, it was in Michigan, Arizona. Basically, all the Arizona, states that yeah. all, all the states that are being challenged now. And yeah. uh, in, in, um, how can I answer the question? <laughs> the how much time do we have, right? Um, but no, here, here's the thing: it it is over, but it's not over, right? Mm -hmm. You remember the um, remember that Diddy remix uh, with Keisha Cole? He's like, it ain't over. Right, remember that? Do you well? I mean, think, I know. That? I know he did a song with with her called "Last Night." Is that yeah, it? last night. Yeah, yeah, couldn't even get an answer. Yeah, yeah. I, I ain't got no singing skills at all. But yeah, <laughs> at the end, he says it ain't over. Um, and so I kind of feel like while the while while that what Diddy was obviously saying is like, hey, bad boy hits are gonna continue. The song is going to end, but the, the hits continue. Bad boy. 
And so the election is over, right? But the assault on democracy is, is really just beginning. Um, I think I think there's very little chance for Biden not to be sworn in because it would be almost unconscionable at this point with the fact that all of the states have certified their results. Um, and, and basically, there's, there's never been a ruling by any judge, let alone a Supreme Court or any state court that would invalidate multiple states. I mean, where we are right now, we're recording this December the 10th. Um, and so every, every lawsuit has pretty much fallen. There's, there's a website, uh, they've got Mark Elias, and uh, he's on Twitter, and he has accounted for all the lost lawsuits. Right now, Trump is one for 55 in lawsuits associated with him, right? And every everyone he didn't necessarily file, but the Sidney Powells and the people who were electors or, you know, random people, everything associated with overturning the votes, he's one for 55. Um, and, and so the problem that we're, that I'm seeing is we have a party that has met as like Trump, Trump, everybody thinks Trump is the problem, but really the problem is the people in the Republican Party, and I want to say, I won't even say everybody in the Republican Party, but there, there are, the Republican Party has a decent portion of it that Trump manifests who they really were. And they're power hungry and they, and they, and they have no, they don't care about democracy, they care about staying in power. And if, if people care about democracy, um, they, then they, then this would, this would be over, right? I, I made an analogy today. I was talking to a friend of mine in the office about this. And one of the things was we have, we have standing cubes, right? And like the wall and you sit down you can't see people so it's kind of, you have privacy cubes like the high cubes and and some of them are kind of like they're not the most sturdy right but they 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 protect you and if you know if you don't move them they won't do anything but but like the thing is the whole point of the, the the reason why these things work is because people don't lean on them if i was just pushing on these these cubes all the time they would come apart because they're not they're 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 together but they're not meant to hold up the weight of an adult pushing on it all the time and I say that to say that's the same thing about democracy. Democracy only works when people want to participate. It's not built for people to try to find the cracks and put their full weight on, on, on how to break it. Because I think what you're seeing is like, you're seeing, I mean, I never heard of this canvassing and, and certifying, you know, counties, like all this stuff became the stuff that was just like never even thought of. Now it's like, they're all weak points. They're all, they're all like at every point, you know, they're attacking democracy, they're attacking, you know, at, the, at this level, then you think, okay, everything gets certified, everything's over, right? No, of course, not. we're going to file, uh, you know, four, four, you know, state lawsuit. And, and and even if that doesn't work, now we're going to probably try to challenge the, the actual results on the floor on, you know, January 6th, which is, un and, and then that, that does happen, by the way, but not like, it's, it's, it's got a different tenor this time, right? Like, generally, it's just kind of like people griping and stuff like that. But it's like, there's, you know, calls for a special counsel to be um, put in after the attorney general already said that there was nothing to be found. So it's like, this is, this is, this is a very dangerous time, a very scary time. And I think people need to really pay attention. I know people want to tune out and say, oh, it's just over. And they're joking around. They, they watch the Paula White meme. It is, you know, it is done, which is a funny, funny meme and all that. But this is, you have to ask yourself, like, how are you going to feel and even may not be this election, but the next election, if you're living under uh, somebody who's uh, a party who's blatantly stolen an election? We look at other countries and say, oh, you know, we have elections here and, that, and people that never happens. But it's just like there's plenty of countries where the ruling person like Vladimir Putin, he got into power and now he's just kind of there. Right. He's been there for, what, almost 20 years, something like that. So it's like that's no normal election cycle. And then. You know, we we've obviously know about Fidel Castro, Castro brothers, right? Fidel Castro and, and his brother took it over. I'm just saying, like, that's what we are seeing right now. You're seeing as people as people have done reports, the the, Dem the excuse me, the Republican Party is turning more to an autocratic party uh, than anything. And, and the biggest problem is the Democrats are are so weak that they're just kind of going along with it, like just you know, it's almost like they're they the Democrats are playing with like a 70 point lead, but they're not taking any shots. It's like okay, I'm up by 70 in the fourth quarter and I'll probably win, right? Because it's just hard to come back from 70 points in the fourth quarter. But if I don't take any shots at the goal, I give the other team a chance to come back just because they're scoring and I'm not. I feel like that kind of, that's what's happening. And um, so, you know, they've got to start fighting back a little bit as far as some of these ridiculous lawsuits and, and trying to get, maybe get some people disbarred because some of these lawsuits are just ridiculous. 
and they're just causing anxiety and overall lack of confidence in a country that's already uh, in, a, in the middle of a pandemic and, 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 and as unstable as it's been uh, maybe since the Civil War, just being honest. The most impressive thing you said uh, was the one in 45, one in 55, actually. I mean, I, I think there are some lottery odds that are better than that right there. But you, what you also hear from them, I mean, from Republicans is that the Democrats were the same way that the Democrats did not accept Trump's uh, election and, and they griped about Russian this and Russian that. The, the Democrats did bring up Russian, Russian influence and it was proven that there was some Russian influence, but they never didn't acknowledge Trump's election. They never didn't acknowledge his presidency. That's completely different from what this Republican Party is doing. They're refusing to call Biden president-elect. You see where the GSA drugged their feet on approving the funds for uh, Biden's transition team. When, when Trump was elected, the GSA released those funds the very next day. When Trump was elected, Hillary Clinton called and conceded to him. We're now more than a month away from the election. He's still walking around saying he won. He's still telling his supporters he won. They believe he won. They feel like the election was stolen from him. This is completely different. So when you hear the Republican Party say these things, and like you say, it's not every Republican. Hell, we had uh, Senator Lankford on here about a month and a half ago. He's one of the ones that said that Trump had until, at the time, he, he had until Friday of that week to start giving the, uh, the intel briefings to Biden because Biden, you want the incoming administration to have all of this knowledge. Like one of the things we heard about 9-11 is how the Clinton administration left intel to the Bush administration saying that bin Laden was determined to strike in this country. It's unfortunate that they didn't do anything with that, but those are the type of things that you want the incoming administration to have. And this is the time when it's supposed to be country over party. Like, yeah, you duke it out, you say all the nasty things leading up to the election, whatever. But after the election is done, it's signed, sealed, and delivered, what you want is for the country to be put first. And we're not seeing that right now. We're seeing a man who wants it to be all about him, who's still raising money for some fake fund that he's really stashing away in hopes of probably running for 2024. We're seeing a man that's keeping his power submitting himself as the number one guy in that party. So even when he leaves the White House, they're still going to have to depend on his support. Trump could, you look at the vote totals and how many uh, states he won. He could have won this election had he taken the coronavirus series. I think that was the number one issue that cost him this election. And he's the idiot that was telling his supporters not to mail in their votes and go on election day. When we all know if you have the choice I mean, you see it with Amazon, you see it with all type of delivery services. Now, if you have the choice to do something to where one way you're required to leave your house and go do it, and the other way is you can stay at your house and just send it off somewhere, then you're going to choose the, the second part. Mail-in ballots, early voting, all of that stuff, Biden and the Democrats encouraged their voters to do that, and that's what they did. And that's why he lost. He lost because of his own, his own rhetoric and telling his uh, supporters not to do that. So he has no one to blame but himself. Um, you mentioned Putin too, real quick. Putin did like a, a, a complete U-turn. So like he was the leader of the country and then he let someone else, someone else take over, but he was still like pulling the strings. And now like he's back in there again. So you're right, it's been, it's been under his rule since, as far as I can remember, since uh, W. Bush was in office. And, um, you know, the things that Trump is saying now, like he's going around saying that, especially in Georgia, that he was cheated, that it was a lot of uh, fake votes or whatever. He's discouraging his voters from voting in this Georgia runoff. We have a Georgia runoff for both of their Senate seats, January 5th. And it means a lot because right now, the Republicans have 50 seats in the Senate, the Democrats have 48, not counting uh, David Perdue or Kelly Loeffler. They're both Republicans. If they lose, if both of them lose, then it'll be 50-50 with Kamala Harris as vice president being the tiebreaker of the Senate. So it's a very important election in Georgia. And right now, the Democrat, uh, I'm probably going to say his name wrong, I think it's Ossoff, 
is ahead like 48.6% to produce 48.2%. Like it's literally a virtual tie. It is a tie. And then in the other one, you got Kelly Loeffler, who is at 47.1% going against uh, Reverend Raphael Warnock, who's at 49.1%. So he's ahead by two points. So both very, very close races. But when you have the number one guy in the party telling his supporters that the election was rigged, you're seeing interviews with them saying, well, what's the point of going to vote when the Democrats are going to steal it away? So once again, he's doing himself and his party a disservice because he can't shut his mouth up. He has to make it about him. And in the end, he's harming himself. So uh, we got the craziness of the election, Frank, from uh, last month. And then we have another one coming up. How do you see Georgia playing out? Biden took Georgia. He took it barely. We have two Senate seats up. How do you see that playing out? Have you been paying attention to that race? What are your thoughts on both of those races for both Senate seats? So, you know, it's funny. We do politically entertaining, and I've actually been paying quite a bit of attention uh, since, since the election, which, which, is, which is interesting because what I'll say is I'm going to get to the Senate races. It's been exhausting keeping up with all this stuff. And I just want, I just want to know what you guys know that, man, this is really important, but going back to the Georgia Senate race. So I'm going to give you like a, a different answer. So of all the four candidates, I feel like Warnock is actually the strongest candidate and Ossoff is probably the weakest, but because they're both doing unity tickets, um, and for those who don't know what unity ticket, unity ticket is basically when two people of the same party run for office together, campaign together, do all that. And so I think because they've kind of split up, I think Warnock can carry Ossoff to the to the victory. I really do believe that they can win. I mean, I think that there's gonna it's gonna be hell of hard because I think that after Georgia just, you know went to Biden, they're going to try to, they've already taken away some polling places and purged some role, you know, voter rolls, which, which blows my mind. Like, I'm trying to figure out what is, other than like, obviously, yes, if somebody, you get a record of somebody dying, like, what is the point of purging these vote, like voter rolls? Like, I mean, I get it, suppression, but it's just like, that's just such a crazy thing. So there's been like 200,000 names purged from a Georgia, some voter rolls somewhere. And People had to re-register. Then there was some talk. I was watching something where somebody said that they're, they're, they, they can require that you have a car registered in Georgia. So there's some crazy shady stuff kind of happening in the background. And so, you you know, we this is the South. And so disenfranchisement, you know, isn't as blood, especially when it comes to Black voters. So I think that it's going to be very close. I think the thing, the thing about it is it's going to be contested. That's the thing. Like, I think that it is definitely possible for Warnock and Ossoff to win, but it's just like, can they win and keep the win? Like, are they going to find, you know, whatever they didn't find last time, they're going to try to make it up and figure out a way to find it this time type of thing. Like you, you almost feel like it'd have to be such a big win that it just couldn't be overcome by, you know, any other thing, but it, it's possible, right? If, if, if Trump depresses the Republican turnout, it is possible you have a five or six point win. And then, you know, if that's much harder to, Try to try to reverse. I also think what's also not being mentioned is Stacey Abrams is the real deal on the ground there, and I think that they are afraid of her. And I think that when Trump Trump says a lot of lies, he's pro lie. I know people say he's pro life, but he's pro lie. Um, he 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 said one thing. He said they're afraid of Stacey Abrams, and they damn sure should be because she's the one who delivered by uh, Georgia to Biden, and and that's one of the states that's that's kind of making it more difficult for Trump to overturn that election. I mean, I, I don't know if you guys look at the math, but it's like, even though you got to get to 270, it's like the math isn't like football, right? It's not like 36, you know, Biden has more than 36 more than 270, which is 306. But when you start taking certain states away, you start losing the numbers real quick. Georgia is 16, Pennsylvania is 20, Michigan is 16, right? Um, Wisconsin is 10. So it's like, if he, if he didn't, if, let's say he lost Georgia, you're down to 290. So then all of a sudden you got to do is lose, you know, you lose Pennsylvania somehow. Then you're down 270. Okay, yeah. But then it's like now you're in a dead heat and, and you can contest or you worry about a faithless elector. I mean, you have a 36 electoral buffer. You don't really worry about that. And I think that's Stacey Abrams deserves credit for delivering Georgia, you know, after, after really getting robbed um, four years ago, or was it two years ago? I think maybe it was two years because he ran two years ago. 
Um, and when, when Brian Kemp, who is, was the secretary of state <laughs> was yeah. running yeah. and, and did a bunch of purges of voters and, and, and some other things. So, you know, she stayed on the ground, created a fair vote and just her attitude is amazing. Like I, I'm, I'm proud of her. I don't, I know that sounds crazy and she don't know me, but it's just like, she didn't let her loss burn her. She, she came back. And I think that I really feel in my spirit that they're that they're going to win those seats in Georgia. I don't have any real basis for that other than I believe that they're just going to win it, and Stacey Abrams is going to have a lot to do with it. Dude, uh, you said Warnock is probably the, the the better candidate, and and I would also say his opponent is probably the weaker of the uh, two Republicans because. Uh, for those of you who don't know, she owns the WNBA team in Atlanta, and they kind of clashed over some comments she made. But also, even Fox News is going after her, and uh, and and pretty much they had a hashtag like Fire Loeffler. Like she's the one that attended one of the coronavirus uh, meetings in the Senate, and then right after that, she bought certain stocks and sold other stocks. Like she she sold. Uh, stocks that dealt with like energy and automobile and air travel because she knew that was gonna be shut down. And she bought things like Amazon and uh, Citrix that whose stocks have like skyrocketed. So she is definitely the weaker. And if you watched her debate performance, I mean, YouTube and make of it as you will, but she literally stuck to three talking points. Those were the answers to every question, just consistently calling uh, Warnock a radical and a liberal, just over and over and over. So a uh, very important election. I can't remember a time when we've had it come down to one state. Both seats are available, and both seats will determine the control of the Senate. We'll either have Majority Leader McConnell or Majority Leader uh, Schumer. So it's, uh, you know, just, just, just some interesting stuff, man. Uh, before I go to the next topic, I do want to say breaking news right now. Uh, you know, we've lost a lot of people this year. For those of you guys that are fans of Friday, No Holds Barred, TMZ has just confirmed that uh, Tommy Lister, known as Debo from Friday, is 62 years old. So I uh, just want to say a, a rest in peace to him and prayers go out to his family and loved ones. Uh, as Frank said, we're recording this on December 10, so more than likely you all will have heard the news by the time you hear this episode, but I did want to I'll slide that in there real quick. Um, so we got um, we've got some vaccine news. So the FDA has the what well, the vaccine advisory panel of the FDA approved uh, Pfizer's vaccine, and uh, they the panel approved it on a vote of seventeen to four for it to go forward and be approved. So it should be fully approved as early as next week to where uh, healthcare workers will be getting it. Um, my first question to you, cause I, I'm, I'm almost certain I asked you before, uh, but I want to ask you again because, because polls have shown that opinions have changed. And I guess, you know, the longer this virus goes on, the more, the more weary that people are and, and they're ready for it to be over. And so, People, a certain percentage of people that said they would not take the vaccine maybe three or four months ago are now saying, you know what, you know, give me the thing. I, I'm, I'm ready for this to be over. Is the vaccine something that Frank and his family will be taking? Do you need more information on it? Uh, when you see people like Obama, Bush, and Clinton saying that they'll get it, does that make you feel more comfortable? Like, what are your thoughts on this vaccine as far as was it rushed? Do you trust it? And um, is it something that you think we all should get? So yes and yes to your question. I think um, I would like some more information. I think, so there's a couple things happening, right? So um, one of the things is there's a hundred million, also like hundred million doses of the Pfizer vaccine that United States has access to currently. There are other makers like AstraZeneca and Merck who are making the vaccines as well. However, it looks like the Pfizer one is the one that is is right now 95% effective, and it seems to be uh, the the preferred one. Um, for whatever reason, this administration decided to to limit the number that they got from Pfizer. They were asked again 
a pre, I mean, not, not recently, but they were asked, you know, are you sure? And they say, yeah, we would want to get a hundred million. So I would say the reason why I would need some more information is because it depends on which, which manufacturers making the vaccine, because they all might not be created equal, at least initially, right? Everybody's kind of competing, making their own vaccine. So I think there is some concern that, you know, Hey, do you get that Pfizer? You got that Merck, you got the AstraZeneca, or did you get that, you know, WMD for the my wire fans out there, right? Um, it's it's one of those kind of things where I I need to know that, but I I think vaccination is an important part. I think I think being inoculated against diseases is is what makes is the difference between having a third world country or a second world country and a first world country. I mean, I think for people that are crazy about anti vax is like okay, you got to think about stuff like polio and measles and and typhoid. Like when I I give you, I give you, I say all that because when I went, my wife and I were blessed. We were able to go to Bali uh, last year, uh, last August, um, and we had to get a number of shots. We had to get um, Hep Hep A, measles, uh, typhoid, adult polio, and and the reason why is because some of those places in the world, those diseases haven't been eradicated, or they or they make or they have made a comeback, and so you know, we take for granted in the United States because we don't have a lot of outbreaks, but it's important to be inoculated to, and, and that's only uh, over time, that's how you get over this, right? Like the herd immunity thing isn't gonna work. You know, Sweden tried that, it didn't work. What's it, Switzerland? One of those, Sweden and Switzerland, I, one of them tried that, it didn't work, right? The vaccine is the only way we're gonna somewhat fast track and it's still not gonna fix it, everything, but I'm not an anti-vaxxer, I believe in vaccinations fully, uh, but I but I am concerned with who is making that vaccination because I don't know if they're all going to be equal at the beginning. I think, you know, once something has been out for a while, right, if this is like a five-year-old thing, it's like, okay, they're probably all some order of, of the same, right, like a generic, generic thing. But right now, Pfizer, if I got one, that's the one I kind of want. And I don't know if we'll be able to get that one uh, based on the limited supply. So uh, eventually, yes, my family... Uh, we will, we will want to get vaccinated because we're, we want to travel again. And, and there's no way that we're going to be traveling with this thing probably still going around and not be having a vaccination against it. So. And we, we, yesterday, I believe we reached a new record over 3000 deaths in one day. And I know we had a streak of like, maybe was it 10 days in a row of like more than a hundred thousand cases. I mean, it's, it's getting crazy, man. Uh, Pfizer, they, they resisted the administration you know if you remember trump wanted this thing up and out and approved before the election like he was banking his uh i guess you could say his political future on this and they resisted that and they you know said look it's not ready we're working as fast as we can it's not ready but i still do understand the hesitation and the mistrust of a lot of people that i have spoken to about this when you think about the fact that it usually takes years to come up with a uh, a vaccine to viruses and this was done in I think in about a year. Yeah, I think they started working on it like last December. So it's been it's been developed in a year. And I mean we all know about the Tuskegee um experiment. So I understand the mistrust and it actually was <laughs> it was kind of refreshing to even hear you say that you would be taking it because I feel like almost everyone I've talked to has said the opposite. Um, so for me, I, you know, I'm somewhere in the middle. I definitely would like to see what kind of side effects it possibly there are. Um, and just, just, just want to know more. That's all. Just want to know more. You know, I'm like you, I want to get back to not having, I mean, you said traveling. I want to get back to just not having to wear a mask. Like I, I still forget that thing sometimes whenever I go somewhere and have to run back in the house or run back to my car and grab one. Um, they get uncomfortable if you wear them for a long amount of time. So I'm ready for things to get back to normal. I'm sick of it. So I'm hoping that this that this vaccine is effective, that it works, that it's not, you know, all the, the scary side effects that you hear people uh, worry about. So I'm looking forward to it working. And I think, what is it, Mo Mo Moderna, that's uh, like the second one that should be approved as well. And even with this Pfizer one, it won't be fully approved for another six months to where they can sell it to hospitals and things like that. So it's still going to be monitored, even though it may be approved by next week, it's still going to be monitored. 
And we'll we'll see what happens, man. You, you had something else you wanted to jump I, in I, with? I did. I wanted to say that the mask thing, that may not ever go away because I'll say this, right? It may maybe not necessarily wearing it everywhere, but I'd say that keeping a mask is going to be a new thing to have. It's like your emergency equipment, right? You have your flashlight, you got you know, some, uh, some bottle of water or whatever, blanket and a mask. Because here's the thing, the, the, this, this, it just so happens that the coronavirus isn't the most deadly virus. Like now it's deadly, right? It can kill you, but people aren't just like, if you get it, you can probably survive. And, and one of the things I'll say about the vaccine is getting the coronavirus and then not, and then either having living with after effects, like the vaccine is probably not going to be worse than that. I think, I think a lot, I think now as it spreads more, it's like your chances of getting it are so much higher that, you know, as it, as it, as it goes, you know, it may be wise to get the vaccine. But that being said, I'm looking at what's next, right? I always know that there's always something else happening, right? And so it's like, what if there's a more deadly pandemic or virus that spreads similarly? And not either wearing a mask, not wearing a mask is, is the difference of you making it or not. I think, you know, this this one it was kind of like I wouldn't say it's a warm up, but what I'm saying is a lot of people are dying, but not as many people are dying. Like if you just tick the rate up a couple percentage points, like if five percent of people were dying, that would be really wild, right? And so I think that you know we have to come with come with the mindset of I'll be wearing a mask on the plane forever, you know, as long as God allows me to walk the earth. Mask on plane. I used to make fun of people, but I'm wearing it on the plane. And in certain venues, I'll probably wear it now. Once they relax it, well, I'll wear it everywhere. No, but but I, I I am cautious of that thinking, man, you don't want to be on an airplane with somebody who has some kind of infection or something that you get like, you know, I think that's really, really um, something to consider in the future, like how this virus spreads and protecting yourself in situations that have poor ventilation or are crowded. Uh, wearing a mask may never go away. Sorry to bring parade. No, well, yeah, and I, I think at the very least, man, it's definitely no longer going to be something that's. Uh, so you know, when whenever you see some some foreign travelers that would come over here, they would wear a mask, and you would see people like, "Yo, what, what's going on? Why they have that mask on?" But that's something that's common where they're from. I think from here on out, it's going to be something that's common here to where when you see someone wearing a mask, you're not going to think twice about it. Like even if you're no longer wearing it. You see other people doing it. You're not going to think twice about it. So you're right about that. But I'm just ready for it to be over, man. Like, I, I definitely will appreciate how things were pre-COVID. It's, it, once things are over, I'm going to appreciate it more than ever, man. Because, man, what a year. What a year it's been. So Frank and I, we've told you guys more on more than one occasion. We're both from Alabama. Uh, went to the same high school in Mobile, Alabama. And with this current administration coming in, the Biden administration, he um, has tapped two Alabamians where well, it's rumored, because he hasn't made it official yet. It's rumored that these two individuals from Alabama will um, have some important roles in his administration. I want to start with Mobile's own uh, General Lloyd Austin. He was born in Mobile, Alabama, raised in Thomasville, uh, Georgia. Uh, he served during the uh, Obama administration. Um, so a couple of things about him. Uh, one of the hurdles that he's going to get over if he's officially announced, which is rumored to be on Monday, is that, I didn't, and I didn't know this, but you have to be retired at least seven years in order to be Secretary of Defense. And that's the rumor that he would be Secretary of Defense. It would be historic because he would be the first Black man to be Secretary of Defense. Um, but he's only been retired for four years. So uh, it's not something that can't be done. Like uh, the, our previous Secretary of Defense, he had not been uh, retired for seven years. And all you got to do is just get a congressional waiver. Congress has to approve it before they can um, vote to uh, confirm you as Secretary of the Senate. Now, I mean, Secretary of Defense, he serves on like uh, a couple of boards, Raytheon, who is like, a uh, Pentagon uh, supplier, as far and also Nucor, who uh, sells a lot of steel and stuff. So he's already like, you know, getting. He's not hurting for money. He's not hurting for a, a, a position or anything. But it seems exciting. He does have some. I don't want to say controversy, but 
you have a couple of members that are concerned. He was he was under investigation uh, during the Obama administration for underreporting how bad the threat level was in the region that he was in and overreporting the progress that the United States was making. But he was cleared of that uh, in 2017. So uh, before we get to the other person from Alabama, I just wanted to get your thoughts on A, black man possibly being Secretary of Defense, B, him being from Mobile, and C, Biden seemingly keeping his word so far. You know, when he finally gave that speech after the election, and he said, you know, I will not forget the African-American communities because of you guys that I'm here, and that is going to be shown in the representation of my administration. And he's so far holding true to that. So, you know, just anything you got on Lord Austin, and give it, give it to me. I always think it's, I mean, it's amazing to me to think that this country, um, you know, even just going back to 1776, right, it's independence. And then, uh, you know, Juneteenth for Black people, 18, you know, in 1865, um, to think that it's been 100 and almost 60 years before a Black man could be, you know, in this position is, is a really unthinkable, right? I mean, like, you think, man, um, wasn't Colin Powell like you like oh wait I wasn't Colin, Colin Powell wasn't in that position but it's just like you just you just it's just it's just hard to believe that it's never happened um you know I figure hey all these guys at some level have questions about it. he said he had some I know so I've seen some articles about it. he's tied to some industry so that but it doesn't sound like anything that's a deal breaker um or anything like that so I mean I'm happy he's from Mobile uh I think he's around the same age as my dad so I mean that's pretty incredible um you know, for him to have to, to be the first. And I think it's, it shows how far we have to go in this country. Sometimes when people are, st we're still the first, right? Still, the, you know, first of, of things. And, and it doesn't really make sense because, um, you know, I don't know. It's like, you, you feel like a defense secretary could be, there's just, there's just so many times it probably could have been a black man. And, and Biden, like I said, Biden is really keeping his word and, I, and I'll say this for Biden, I think Biden in some ways is going to be able to do a little bit more diversity in his cabinet, even Obama, because Biden is a little bit older. He mm -hmm. don't care as much. And he's white. And that matters. And, yep. and, and, and he's just like, hey, I'm going to keep my word. I know I got in because black people came out and I'm going to give I'm going to give them love. I'm going to show them love. It's like, hell, he's damn near 80 years old. Like, I mean, that's the thing that blows my mind about some of these politicians like Pelosi's 80 and Trump is 74, 75. And it's like, these guys are going to live forever. It's like Biden is doing his good deed. You know, maybe who knows who he's going to even run in 2024. I'm just saying that he's he's laying it all out there. He picked a black woman to run with. Um, he's he's his cabinet loading up with with, you know, black faces um, and, and, and other people of color. So. I think it's I think it's wonderful that he's keeping his word at this level, um, and he's and, and and I just think he's not under the pressure of being the first black president or anything like that. He doesn't have to tiptoe. He's just going to do what he does. I think he's been really quiet, and him and Kamala has been really quiet. And when all this crap that they're going on is over in, in forty days, they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna really take off and do some and do I think do some great things. Um, so that's he's, what I said. He's, a, he's invited Susan Rice. I forgot exactly what the position, but she's uh, going to be serving in the administration as well. And um, for those that want to say, you know, well, Austin wasn't his first pick, so you can't give Biden credit for that. Okay, I'll see that argument and raise you the fact that he's been meeting with the CBC every week since his election. And they're the ones that push for this because, yeah, full disclosure, he was considering, uh, I think her name is... Uh, Michelle Flanoy, and he was considering uh, this guy named Jay Johnson. He was considering those two, but they was like, yo, no, we like Lloyd Austin. And he worked with Lloyd Austin a lot during as a vice president under Obama, and the relationship is good. And he was like, you know what? Yeah, I like that too. So hopefully it is made official on Monday. And, you know, unless we find out something extremely damning it's, I think it's a good pick. It, it's an excited pick. I'd like to know more about him just with anybody who's appointed to these high positions. But from what I know right now, today, December 10th, I think it's a good pick. Always going to root for the hometown, the home state. 
and you know, like Issa Rae saying, I root for everybody black. Now the other Alabama, <laughs> um, Doug Jones, man, who by the way, I was on the Senate floor where he gave his farewell speech the other day. Very, very good speech. Um, and I made a post about it, like, you know, Alabama, you really lost a good senator. He was only there three years, but man, you know, for those of you who know Doug Jones, you already heard about how he, you know, prose successfully prosecuted two of the Klan members from the 63 uh, church bombing. Uh, he in he indicted, uh, what's his name, uh, the, the domestic terrorist, Reed, uh, from one of the bombings or whatever. So he's done some good things, man. And he even admitted in his speech, he was like, look, I pretty much knew I wasn't going to be reelected, but he tried as hard as he could. And if you remember, man, you know, Alabama is such a deep red state. He beat Roy Moore. Roy Moore, who was accused of sexually assaulting minors at the time, a guy who was banned from a mall in one of the cities in Alabama. Doug Jones still only won by like 22,000 votes. So like that's how deep red Alabama is. And so he pretty much had a good idea that he wasn't going to win, but he did the best he could. He did quite a bit in his three years. Like I said, a very good farewell speech. He is rumored to be, he's a top candidate for uh, the attorney general for Biden. So talk about a step up, you know what I mean? So mm -hmm. he's, he's going to go from one of 50 to, I mean, excuse me, one of 100 mm -hmm. to, <laughs> to the top, the top law enforcement official in the country. So that's pretty cool. I actually hope he get it. I can't see him not being confirmed by the Senate. And uh, not from Mobile, Alabama, but from Alabama. And, you know, on a personal level, I actually um, have spoken to him a couple of times, man. He's just just a good dude, in my opinion. So what are your thoughts on Doug Jones possibly being attorney general? How much do you know about the man? Is there someone else that you'd like to see besides him in that position? Um, no, I'll be honest. I, don't, I haven't really... I don't know him that well, but I do I do know of him prosecuting uh, the, the KKK members in that bombing. So I think I think that he's a fine choice. I think that he ran uh, against Roy Moore and, um, and and certainly won the seat deservingly. So, uh, of course, then it was he was, you know, given given way to Tommy Tuberville. Right. I think that's who beat him. And, and I am. Oh, my God. Like, how ignorant is he? Yeah. Um, like, yeah, <laughs> like speak on it. <laughs> oh, my God. My, my wife went to Auburn and she was just like, sometimes you just don't know who's coaching your team. I mean, like, <laughs> you know, it, it's 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 pretty despicable. Um, his lack of knowledge and you know the three branches of the government. I mean, that's pretty scary. Um, but anyway, didn't know, the, didn't know the three branches of government refused to do any debates versus Doug Jones. He, he just he knew he would get in because Yeah, exactly. He knew he knew was he knew he was running under Trump's power. And at that not that we want to go back at him, but that's why people are clamoring to this ridiculous Texas lawsuits because they want the they there's I don't want to get too far down the road, but I just think that you're seeing what it looks like when a when a subversion of government happens. People try to align themselves with people who they think can broker the power um, to themselves. So they're all signing this, knowing that it's not going to go anywhere, but they're like, see, I was with you. See, so, you know, like I'm, I'm with you, bro. Um, so as far as Doug Jones, I think, you know, he'd be a good pick if he promote, you know, would prosecute the KKK. He's got somebody else he can prosecute. And his name is um, Donald J. Trump, another son of a Klansman that he can go after, hopefully, maybe. I think that's one of the things that the Biden administration has been holding, they, they've been mum on it, but I think that they've got to, they've got to, this, this type of thing that they're doing, the peaceful transfer of power, this, this can't be let go. This has to be prosecuted. And I think he would have no problem doing that. He's got the, he's got the stones. It seems like to do that. He's been on the Hill. He's not afraid. He knows who the players are. So I'm with it. I'm not against it. Yeah, man. Uh, it's just, just uh, very, very interesting to see how it all comes together, who all uh, are going to be the picks for Biden and, you know, who is going to have a hard time being confirmed because it doesn't matter who he picks at the end of the day, they're going to have to be confirmed. 
by a Senate that's going to be virtually, no matter who wins this Georgia runoff uh, for the Senate, it's going to virtually be a 50-50 Senate. So it's going to be tough to get things done without bipartisan support. So we got some, I mean, at the top of the show, you always ask, why should people be tuning in? Man, you're going to have a Democrat White House, a Democrat House of Representatives, and possibly a Republican Senate. And even if it's not a Republican Senate, like I just said, it's going to be a 50-50 Senate. So you're going to have to see compromises that you haven't seen before. You're going to see probably a lot of gridlock that you haven't seen before. And it's all going to be interesting. And it's going to really force you to pay attention to what's going on because nothing's going to be rubber stamped. So just wanted to put that out there, man. We, we are at the end of the show. Uh, as I said, you know, with Frank and I schedule, we definitely try to do it as consistently as possible. Doesn't always come out that way, but we're definitely going to try to give you at least one, hopefully two more shows this month. Um, and I just want to say once again, Merry Christmas to everybody. Merry Christmas to you, my brother. Um, and we're going to work on trying to get you some more guests. We've had Tim Weiss before. We've had Senator Langford, as I mentioned. Uh, we had Kristen Bracey on here. We've had Orazio Macarella, Zaza Ali. We've had, just look at all of our past shows. We've had plenty of guests and we're going to try to get more. Uh, I want to have, I want to have a constitutional lawyer on here. There are all types of things that I want to discuss, political experts. We're going to try to bring that to you. Keep tuning in to Politically Entertaining. Subscribe to us. We're on all podcast platforms. Check us out. Rate us. Give us five stars. Do not be a hater and go below five. And uh, just continue to check us out. Frank, leaving with the last word. Happy holidays, New Year. Happy New Year to everybody. All that good stuff. Just in case we don't come back. Man, thank you, thank you, Byron. Uh, again, it's been a it's been a crazy year, and like like you said, if we come back, that'd uh, be great, God willing. But you know, if this is our last show for the year, I appreciate everybody who's listened for the five years we're doing the show. We started, I think, in 16, 17, 18, 19, until this is twenty fifth year. Um, we're getting close to I think this might be close to episode eighty we've done. So we we've done we've done some things. We've learned some things. Um, so we hope to just continue to bring you a lot of great information. Uh, be safe out there this holiday season, um, you know, be praying. Like if you believe in God, this is the time to, to really, and if you don't, it might be the time to look into it uh, because you're going to see some strange things in this in the coming years that, that um, you know, you can't trust in the systems that man has put in place. We're seeing that now. Uh, but more importantly, just love your family during the season. Enjoy it. And if you're taking time off, enjoy it. Um, avoid getting COVID. Don't go to gatherings. I know that there, that's an urge or it's time of year, but ignore that uh, thought process. Live to be in the next season. I know it's tough to miss one holiday season, but I'm taking it like this in my mind. I want to be alive and healthy for the next season. So I just want us all to keep that in mind. Uh, I love you guys. Um, hopefully we'll see you very soon on another episode of Politically Entertaining. Thank you for listening to Politically Entertaining. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast via iTunes and visit politicallyentertaining.com for the latest in political news and updates.